finances of our church and much to bring before God in prayer as well. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, as you leave today, you can grab one of these uh, praise and prayer reports. Kind of gives a, an overview of, uh, of our budgets and the finances and the highlights of, uh, of last year and, and this year a little bit. And so I just want to go through this a little bit and begin by asking the question, why give to the Lord through LifeBridge? That's always a worthy question to ask. And the reason is because your giving, first of all, it honors the Lord. Our giving uh, as a church family, when we give to Jesus Christ through a church like this, it honors the Lord. And also, it fuels our mission and ministry, specifically here at LifeBridge, when you give to the Lord through our church here at LifeBridge. And our mission here is to bridge the gap with the gospel of Jesus Christ until all peoples in our community and beyond all around the world become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who, who really fulfill these four purposes, who know Christ, grow in Christ, show Christ, and go with Christ. And so we praise God once again at the beginning of this new year for God's provision to our church last year. And of course, as you know, God provides for His church through the generosity in giving, the faithful giving of his people like yourself. And so thank you once again uh, for your faithful, sacrificial, regular giving last year in 2021. And so I just want to put up on the screen behind me just some highlights of, uh, of our financial report from last year in 2021. And you see that our general budget last year was 341 $1,460. That was our overall general budget. The actual income that came in was $322,119,000. And then our actual expenses was $316,266. And, uh, and so that allowed us this last year to end the year with, in the black with a surplus, which is always a great thing when that happens. And we're thankful for that through managing uh, our expenses and in light of the income that was there. And so we were able to end the year with a surplus of $5,853. And to that we say, amen, right? That's a great thing. And so thank you for your generosity in, in giving and in, uh, in the general budget, specifically with your tithes and offerings. And, uh, but we have much to, to pray for as well. We, we have much to trust God for the mission before us. And so I just want to highlight this aspect in our budget going forward for 2022. And as you see uh, here, 306987 was given last year in our tithes and offerings. Now, uh, to be quite honest with you, when you do the numbers, it's easy to see that that was a little over $10,000 short or about 3% short in our planned giving uh, when it came to our tithes and offerings last year. So, so we didn't meet budget last year in 2021, but because of our expenses, we were able to manage those down a little bit. We were still able to end the year with a surplus. But nevertheless, we still ended the year 3% short. Uh, so what does that mean going forward for this year's budget? Uh, the finance team has set the budget at $319,585. That's the plan giving in our budget and the, for tithes and offerings. And what that means is we're now trusting God. We are asking God. We're beseeching Him and leaning on Him and His, 
his provision for us to provide a, basically around a 5% increase over last year's giving when it comes to our tithes and offerings. And so we believe God can answer that prayer. I hope you believe God can answer that prayer. Uh, once again, through the generosity of our church family, your regular giving. And, uh, and let me just also say, when it comes to our, our buildings here, we have three main buildings. This is the auditorium building. We have our Student Life Center, which is the smaller auditorium building. And then the building behind us is our education building. They were all built at various different times. This, the smaller building was built in the 50s. This building in the 60s. The building behind me in the 70s. And uh, just like your house, that means we are in a constant state of maintenance. It's never-ending. And uh, at the same time, we are thankful for the buildings God has entrusted us. Amen? Uh, we love the buildings we have, even though they are older. Uh, they're always in need of maintenance, and that also means upgrading. And, uh, and so I, I'll just say this. Our goal is to utilize our buildings for the glory of God and to utilize them for ministry. And, uh, and to also upgrade them as need be. We want to upgrade our buildings for ministry to people in our cultural context that reflects the worthiness of Jesus Christ and bring glory to God. And so there are always projects that seem to be going on each and every year when it comes to maintenance and to facility upgrades. And I'm not going to go over all of those projects that we were able to accomplish last year that we kind of have planned for this year. Uh, the biggest one, as you see in this praise and prayer report on the backside, is the renovation of this auditorium. And uh, we have an auditorium renovation fund. There are monies in that. If you feel so led as to, to give to that fund, believe me, it will be utilized. All of your money towards that will be utilized at some point in time. And so last year and, and the year before that, we were able to upgrade our lighting for the stage area here. Uh, we still have another phase. And then... You name it. Uh, I, and again, we don't have time to go through all that, but that is a process in and of itself in addition to other maintenance issues with our building. I will also just let you know, especially those of you who are members here at LifeBridge, that copies of the new budgets for this year, both our general budget and our missions budgets, are available for you to take a copy of that, take it home, peruse through it, and uh, just so you know, our general budget is prepared and managed by our finance team. The missions budget is prepared and managed by the missions commission, and both budgets then, our process here at LifeBridge, they are then uh, approved by our leadership council and then made available to you as a congregation. And so as a member here at LifeBridge, listen, if you have a question, we want you to to know, please don't hesitate to come and ask any question you might have or comment even, suggestion related to our budgets, both on the general and the mission side. And so don't hesitate to reach out to our, our office or myself or Pastor Chris or the, any member of the finance team or mission commission. If you're wondering, well, who's on those teams? Uh, they're on the budgets back there. There's a cover page, and they list all the names of the finance team members, the mission commission team members. And so we have those back there for you, especially those of you who are members here at LifeBridge. At this time, Chris is going to come and just give a brief overview of our missions. Well, there's no doubt that uh, this last few years have been hard, but it's been especially hard on our missionaries. And for that reason, I wanted to send them a letter at the beginning of all this 
informing them that we were going to stand by them uh, and not knowing what the future was going to hold. And we have heard back from different partners that we sent that to how much it meant for them to hear this news of this global pandemic and to see that our church was standing with them. And I say all that because to give God the glory for your consistent giving to world missions, we can just praise the triune God that we just sang, that we have been able to be faithful to do that. And what I want you to realize is your giving to missions through faith promise results in what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10, 15 through 17. We have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you without boasting about what was already done in someone else's area of ministry. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So for a few minutes, if you didn't already pick one of these up, they're at the back. This is what I'm just going to highlight some things from this. This will give you all the details. So if you're into the details, there they are. But I just want us to boast in the Lord for what he has done through missions in our church. You'll find our Missions Commission team members, as Pastor Bruce mentioned. If you're interested in serving with us on that team, let me know, and I'll take you through the expectations that you find on that handout. There's also an explanation of what faith promise is, because that's what we're talking about, how to give through faith promise. And if you haven't made a commitment card, a commitment to that, it's back there. It's also online on our website you'll find an explanation of the potential budget categories that we use to steward our missions giving. And then there's the presentation of the 2021 budget report, which has this good news. In 2021, we budgeted $74,000 and ended the year with over $77,000. And so that was an increase of more than 3000 than what we projected out. And so we shout... Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's one category that you'll see on there that we overspent, which was miscellaneous hospitality. This expenditure expenditure is always due if it happens. It doesn't always happen when a global partner shows up or says, hey, I'm going to be in the States. Do you want us to come by? And we say, yes, we want you to come by and we take care of them. And because of your consistent giving to Faith Promise, we're able to treat those guests and those partners when they come in a manner worthy of God. Also in that handout, you'll find special projects that we invested in this past year. And just so you know, normally what we're seeking to do is spend invest wisely for anywhere from 5000 to 15000 a year. But of course, our missionaries are in lockdown, and so our investing in those projects is down. But we're anticipating, as you heard from the masters, there's things are ramping back up around the world, and we want to invest in that. You get to be a part of that. In the handout, you'll also find our projected budget for 2022. And our projected budget is down from last year, and we're projecting $72,000. So here's my twofold challenge to us as a church, similar to what Pastor Bruce has just said. 
If you have not yet got involved in Faith Promise, now's a great time to do it. And if you're already committed to Faith Promise, now's the time to be consistent. And by faith, let's trust God. Uh, We're going to hear a message here in a few minutes. We can trust him to provide in the hardest of times. But my second challenge to you is this, that for all of us to pray that we might, by grace through faith and in answer to our prayers, in this year with $75,000 in our giving to missions. God can do that, and that's what we're asking you to pray about. Finally, in the handout, you'll find changes in partnerships for 2022. Every year, we evaluate our global partnerships, the individuals, the couples, and the organizations. And as you know from our 2021 World Outreach, We've had a couple that are retiring, another one, uh, another single lady, Anna Marie, had to resign due to health reasons, and we ended partnerships with two other of our global partners. But we were also able to increase two partners financially and increase their monthly support. So here's the bottom line. When you give to Faith Promise, you are able to participate and help our church bridge the gap through planting churches by evangelism among the unreached people scattered all around this world. You're bridging the gap to establish churches by discipleship and translating the Bible like we celebrated this past year, the completion of the Maconde New Testament. And you are bridging the gap to multiplying local churches geographically by the training of national leaders, which you heard this morning in the Discovery Hour, Sam Masters and several of our partners directly involved in training those kind of leaders. So our hope for 2022 is that our faith increases. Our missionaries' area of ministry will be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond us without boasting in what has already been done, and instead we boast alone in what the Lord has done. Amen? Amen. All right, would you stand with me as we open God's word to the book of John, chapter 6. Be reading verses 1 through 14. As Pastor Bruce has mentioned, uh, we'll be looking at God and His provision. Again, we're going to be in John chapter 6. If you're using a Pew Bible, you can find this passage on page 1059. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Hmm, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 
200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray. Our generous and giving Heavenly Father, Lord, we pause this morning to, uh, to let you reach into our hearts, God, and show yourself as, as a giving and loving dad, Lord, as a provider for our local church body, Lord, through us as sons and daughters. Lord, may we see you as our supply. God, we ask that this year you would show us in a powerful way what you want for us, how you want us to participate. God, so that your kingdom can grow, so that your name can be known more throughout the world and here in Kansas City. God, just work in our hearts this morning in Christ's name. Amen. According to recent surveys, the economy is now the number one issue people are most concerned about. It's no longer COVID, but it is now the economy. Most people feel the impact of the ongoing supply chain problems and now the high cost of inflation. In fact, according to an article by Catherine Thorbeck, Americans across the country are seeing higher prices at the mall, the grocery store and gas pump causing new pain for their pocketbooks. Inflation has risen at its highest rate in nearly four decades, jumping to 7% in December compared to the same time last year. Uh, the Fed Reserve is no longer calling inflation transitory. In fact, the chair, uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell recently told Congress, and I quote, what we have now is a mismatch between demand and supply. We have a very strong demand in areas where the supply is constrained. And so in the words of Christopher Rugabar, he sums up our current economy in this way. He says the United States hasn't seen anything like this since the early 1980s. So how do we respond to all this, especially as Christ followers, as a church here at LifeBridge? So what do you do when demand exceeds supply and the high cost of inflation leaves you with not enough food or gas or money at the end of the week or, or perhaps at the end of the month? Not only that, but probably even more important than that, how does our current economy impact your giving to the Lord? How does it shape your trust in God and your commitment to give? Here's what we're going to see in this 
miracle feeding of the 5,000 by Jesus Christ this morning. Here's the big idea. Notice this in your notes. The supply chain and inflation woes here. When the cry is not enough at the end of the week or the month, trust in the economics of Jesus Christ. Trust in the economics of Jesus Christ when the cry is not enough. Jesus taught about his economic principle while he was living here on this earth, but it's an economic principle that I doubt you will ever hear taught in most college classrooms. The law of supply and demand is a, is a rather simple law that says when demand exceeds supply, then, then prices rise, and when supply exceeds demand, prices decline. Uh, we have seen this law play out numerous times over the course of history, and especially here in the last 20, 30, 50 years in the United States. We're currently seeing it impacting the housing market. As you know, the housing market is just booming right now when it comes to uh, so prices as the supply is not so much there. So what does all this economic stuff have to do with Jesus feeding thousands of people, though, here in John chapter 6? Well, that experience that Kirk just read for us is really all about the law of supply and demand. Except this economic law is not limited by the economics of mankind. Rather, it was unleashed by the economics of Jesus Christ. And so on that afternoon, Jesus laid out this economic principle on a green, grassy hillside in Galilee. And what we're going to see here this morning is that without Jesus Christ factored into the equation, without Jesus Christ in our lives, demand always exceeds supply. But with Christ... Supply always exceeds demand. The missionary there in China, Hudson Taylor, he put it this way, when God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will never lack God's supply. That's what we see here in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this story breaks down into two simple applicational points for us here this morning, the first of which is this. Number one, without Jesus, demand exceeds supply, and the cry is not enough. We discover in John 6 that a need had developed on the hillside in Galilee. In fact, that need, that demand was rather great. We read in verse 2 that thousands of people followed Jesus and his disciples to this mountainside. Why? Well, they had already seen Jesus perform numerous miracles. They had seen him heal the sick and the lame and the blind. And and now they were curious. Who is this man that's doing all these miracles? The problem was the multitude of people were now far from home and it was getting late in the day and there was no food for them to eat. To put it in economic terms, there was no supply of food to meet the demand of their physical hunger. Spiritually speaking, That is always the way it is without Jesus Christ in our lives as well. And the cry, spiritually speaking even, is not enough. Now perhaps some of you here this morning, you are are sitting on that same hill, so to speak, this morning. That is, you are in need because right now demand in your life is exceeding the supply. And, And perhaps the cry, the inward cry in your own heart is not enough. 
Whether your need is financial, whether that need is relational, perhaps even spiritual, understand. If you try to meet your need without Jesus, there is never enough, and the demand always exceeds supply. The need of the multitude. That day, on that hillside, it presented a huge challenge for Jesus' disciples. In fact, the challenge for the disciples, notice in your notes, it was to minister to the needs of over 5,000 people by feeding them. The multitude of the people had a huge need in their lives. They were hungry, and there was no food to be found. Their demand exceeded their supply. Their cry was not enough food. Their physical hunger and their inability to satisfy that hunger, it pictures the spiritual needs of the world in which we live even today. In many ways, this challenge for the disciples, it is also the same picture of the challenge for our church as we minister to our community and beyond. And the challenge for our church is this, it's to minister to the needs of people by funding our mission to bridge the gap with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, people in our community here in Kansas City, people around the world are hungry and need to be fed with the only bread that will satisfy their spiritual hunger, and that is none other than Jesus Christ. Feeding people with the gospel, or as we say here at LifeBridge, bridging the gap with the gospel, it takes funding. It takes money. It takes money to support the mission of our church It takes money to support the ministries of our church. And if we're going to continue, once again, in this year of 2022, to fulfill our mission and to provide ministries, it will continue to take finances. Every year when our finance team uh, comes together to begin preparations for the, the new budget, it looks as if the demand of our mission, the demand of our ministries, the demand of keeping up with our facilities and upgrading them is going to exceed the supply of our income. And our cry as a finance team is, is where's all this money going to come from? Not enough. But over the years as a finance team, we have learned that's only when we fail to factor Jesus into our budget. You see, the temptation oftentimes And we fight this even as a finance team, because as a team, it's easy to just, you look at the numbers, and believe me, we need to, we have to. You have to look at the numbers black and white. But there comes a time as well that you just can't look at the church budget through the eyes of an accountant, because when we do that, the law of supply and demand will seem like the problem can never be overcome when you look at the numbers strictly from black and white standpoint. We... We try to factor, we pray, and we depend on the Lord Jesus Christ and factor him into the budget as well. Lord, what what are you going to do here with this demand that is so great among our church in order to fund our ministries and our mission in the maintenance of our buildings? Now, let me offer you, there are three things that can cause the demand to exceed supply. And the first that we see is if we have no sense of planning in our lives. This was the case in John chapter 6 with the multitudes who were following Jesus. 
There were over 5,000 men, women, and children who had no sense of proper planning in their lives. These people, they didn't think ahead. They didn't plan appropriately for their need for food. Consequently, they now had a demand for which there was no apparent supply. Now, fortunately, the problem for them that afternoon turned out to be just another opportunity for Jesus Christ now to do a miracle. In fact, do you realize that all miracles begin at the platform of our problems. It was no different on that hillside in Galilee. It's no different in our personal lives, and it's really no different today even in our church. The heart cry of so many people today is not enough when they plan without Jesus Christ in their lives. So are you making plans with Jesus in your life or not? Remember, problems can become opportunities for Jesus to do miracles. A second thing that can cause the problem of demand exceeding supply is if we have no sense of purpose in our stewardship. The disciples, Philip and Andrew, here in this story, illustrate this fact for us. Notice again what it says in verses 5 and 6. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus tells us that he was, quote, testing Philip when he asked him, where should we buy bread to eat? Now remember, they're on a hillside in Galilee. There's no stores there. There's there's no Sunfresh and Hy-Vee and Price Chopper which to go and buy bread from. They're outside of the city. They're on a hillside here. But what exactly was Jesus testing Philip? Well, Jesus was testing Philip's faith and trust in him as the Messiah, the Savior. It's interesting to note that Jesus already knew at this point in time what he was going to do in response to the need of feeding this great multitude that had followed him. And we can be confident that Jesus knows what he's going to do with our own needs, as well as the need of our church. Jesus was testing his disciples that day, just as Jesus tests us even today. I think Jesus wants to see just how much we really trust God. I think Jesus wants to see how much we we specifically trust God with our finances. To test how much we really believe God will meet our needs. Now notice Philip's response to Jesus' question. Notice it in verse 7. Philip answered him, that is, Philip answered Jesus, and he tells him, well, well, Lord, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. You see, Philip's mind at this point in time in the story, it's operating like a cash register. He is figuring up in his mind, 200 denarii is not enough to feed 5,000 people, Jesus. You ought to know better than that. The first thing he thought when it comes to the problem was not what Jesus could do, but how much it would cost to feed 5,000 people. Now, this is rather sad in the life of Philip. You say, well, why is that? Well, because Philip has been following Jesus now for some time. He has personally seen Jesus perform numerous miracles. Philip, along with the other disciples, has seen Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen Jesus heal the sick. They've seen 
Jesus make the lame to walk, and yet, how does Philip respond to this problem? In this moment, he responded with no sense of purpose of what Jesus could do in this situation. Instead, he looked at what could be done from a purely a human perspective. And so, in this test, we might give Philip an F. He flunked Jesus' test that afternoon. But what about the other disciple that's mentioned? There's Philip, but then there's also Andrew. Well, this brings us to the third thing that can cause the problem of demand exceeding supply. And that is, if we have no sense of potential in Christ or through Christ. Andrew, look what he tells Jesus in verse 9. Andrew says to Jesus, Jesus, hey, hey, listen, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. So at that moment, Andrew's doing pretty good so far, right? Hey, Jesus, here's this. But unfortunately, he continues in the rest of verse 9 when he says, but what are they among so many? You see, Philip's answer seems to reflect his embarrassment to bring this pitiful lunch to Jesus Christ. On that Galilean hillside, both Philip and Andrew became part of the problem instead of the solution because they had no sense of purpose. They had no sense of potential in what Jesus could do in this situation for them. Jesus was testing them. Jesus was hoping they would say something like this, Lord, no food, no problem for you. Listen, we've seen you turn water into wine. We've seen you heal the sick. Surely, Lord, you can handle a little food shortage now. 5,000 people, that's nothing for you. But instead, neither Philip or Andrew factored Jesus into the economic equation. And without Christ, demand always exceeds supply, and the cry is not enough. Now, I wonder how many of us here this morning can identify just a little bit with Philip and Andrew in this story. Are you looking for human possibilities to solve your problems and even our church's needs? This is often the result when we look at our problems and needs with no sense of purpose in our stewardship and no sense of potential in Christ and what he can do. Think about it. A little boy comes on the scene who has a sack lunch. His sack lunch consisted of what? You know the story. It consisted of five loaves of bread and two small fish. This little boy left home that morning with enough food to feed thousands of people. And yet Philip and Andrew could see it's only enough food to feed one small boy. Why? Because they failed to factor Jesus into the apparent problem. And I, I'm afraid that's how a lot of us respond too. It's easy to respond that way. How many of us respond just like Philip and Andrew when we're facing our, a need or a problem in our own lives or even here in our church? It's easy to respond like Philip and Andrew when it comes to, to funding our church's mission and ministries and the maintenance of our buildings. Instead of thinking what God can do, we think the need is impossible to meet. In many ways, God is testing us, just like he tested Philip and Andrew on the hillside in Galilee. He's asking the question of us, will we factor Jesus into the economic equation? Will we remember 
that God has provided in the past and that can, God can also provide again in the future? Or will we cry to ourselves, not enough, because we have no sense of planning, no sense of purpose, no sense of potential in our giving through Christ? Remember, God has a way of supplying all our needs when we figure Jesus into the economic equation. It's the eternal law of supply and demand, which brings us to the second part of Christ's economic plan. Notice this is number two. With Jesus, supply now exceeds demand, and the cry is more than enough. Now, you've heard the story. Kirk read the story for us. But notice again what Jesus does in John chapter 6. Look at it in your Bibles with me, verses 10 through 12. And then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Now, what a spectacular miracle. Jesus took the bread and the fish. He gives thanks to his heavenly Father, and then he multiplied it miraculously, so that over 5,000 men, women, and children could eat. In fact, scholars estimate that there could have been as many as fifteen to 20,000 people that day on that hillside. It's unbelievable. After everyone ate, there were still 12 baskets of food left over. And their cry after they had eaten all that they wanted was, more than enough. More than enough. No question. Now, the question is, we all want to know, well, how did this miracle take place? How did Jesus do this miracle? How did supply exceed demand of feeding the multitude? Well, Jesus doesn't tell us exactly how he does the miracle, but what we do know is that this miracle began when a little boy was willing to give his lunch to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've tried to put myself in the shoes of that little boy when I was that little boy's age. Maybe he was 8, 9, 10 years old. And when it came to my lunch at school, nobody was touching my lunch. <laughs> nobody was going to put their grimy fingers in my lunch and take my ding-dong or whatever my mom put in it. I'm, I'm keeping my lunch for myself. And this little boy, he could have clutched his brown paper bag in his hands but he willingly gave his lunch to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at the prospects of the lunch, and he saw, yes, it's not very much. It's only five loaves of bread, two small fishes, but Jesus also saw the potential with this little boy's lunch now that it was placed in his hands. Listen, what a reminder here for us that it is not the size of our lunch that matters. But rather, are we willing to give our lunch into the hands of our Lord? You see, this story teaches that little becomes much when God is in it and Jesus possesses it. 
this little boy gave his lunch to Jesus, and that exchange between the Lord and the lad tapped the resources of heaven and the power of Christ. And then this little boy stayed around, and he witnessed a miracle. How will supply exceed demand in funding our church's mission and ministries? It begins when I'm willing to give the first fruits of my income to the Lord. This little boy was willing to give us lunch, and a miracle transpired. And the funding of our mission begins when each of us here this morning, we're willing to give of the first fruits of our income to the Lord. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, the purpose of the blessings from God, the purpose of our wealth is to honor God with it. You say, how do we honor God with our wealth? By giving the first fruits of our income to Him. And when we honor God in our giving, God promises to bless us and meet our needs. One of the most amazing parts of this story is after everything was eaten, there was more left over than there was to begin with. How do you explain that? The only way to explain it is it's a miracle of Jesus Christ. Understand, we never give anything to the Lord and lose it. He gives it back to us again and again and again. Take note of the secret of God's economy here. The boy gave to Jesus. The Lord Jesus gave to the disciples. The disciples gave to the crowd. And the more they gave to the crowd, the more there was to give. And the crowd even had the opportunity now to give back to the disciples. The Bible uses this phrase and says that the crowd... 15 to 20,000 of them, perhaps. It says they were filled. Filled. We know what that's like. We know what that means to be filled after eating a dinner, especially at the holiday time, or we go to a, one of our favorite restaurants, or we go get barbecue, and, and we are filled. And your spouse didn't eat all of hers and offers Yours, and you're like, not more than enough. I'm, I'm stuffed. I can't. I'm filled. The need was met in this story. Praise the Lord. The same people who just a moment ago were crying out, not enough, were now crying more than enough. Yes, with Christ, supply always exceeds demand, and the cry is more than enough. And then Jesus says, listen, gather up the fragments that remain. And there were 12 baskets of food left over. And it all started when a little boy was willing to put his lunch in the Lord's hands. This is God's economic plan. Now, let me just summarize for us what we have learned so far in this story with three divine economic principles. And the first principle is this. Notice this in your notes. God delights in using our resources to accomplish his purposes, no matter how much or how little we give. Think about this with me. Listen, if Jesus Christ can use a little boy's lunch to feed over 5,000 people, don't you think that God can use whatever you give 
to fund our church's mission and ministries when we place it in his hands. Again, the issue is never how much or how little your giving is to God. When it comes to giving to the Lord, the issue is always in the heart. Are you willing to honor God with your giving and finances? That's the question. I like how someone once put it. It's not what you do with the million dollars, if fortune should be your lot, but what you are doing at present with the dollar and quarter you got. And so understand something here. From the story, we learned that God delights in using our resources, the resources that God himself has entrusted to us to accomplish his purposes, no matter how much or how little we give. The second economic principle says God delights in making up the difference when demand exceeds supply. Did you notice that the little boy's lunch didn't do any good until it was placed in the hands of Jesus Christ? As long as that little boy held his brown paper bag, there was only one person that was going to be fed. 5,000 people were still hungry. But the moment there was an exchange made all the difference in the world. In fact, the word distributed here in verse 11 is in the imperfect tense, which means that Jesus kept distributing the bread and the fish until there was more than enough. The point is Jesus took a a seemingly insignificant lunch and he used it to make up the difference in feeding the multitudes. And God God still delights in doing the same thing today. God delights in doing the same with our giving here at LifeBridge. Watchman Nee put it this way, the meeting of need is not dependent on the supply in hand, but on the blessing of the Lord resting on the supply. Which brings us to our third economic principle here from the Lord. That is God delights in providing a basket full of leftovers for our needs. Remember, after Jesus fed this multitude, everyone was satisfied to the point that there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. I don't know if you've ever wondered this, but why were there 12 baskets instead of three or five or nine? And and nobody knows for sure why 12, but perhaps it's because there were 12 disciples and Jesus is now simply providing for each of their needs. Again, he's showing himself and who he is to his disciples, what he is capable of as the Lord, as the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus is showing them in advance what Paul would later write in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, all of this, everything we've seen in this story so far, it all comes down to one key question. And that question is this, are you willing to trust God with your money? Just as the little boy put his lunch in the hands of Jesus, are you willing to put your money, your finances in the hands of God? Another question that's often come to my mind when reading this story, it's a familiar story, is do you... Do you ever think this little boy regretted giving his sack lunch up to the Lord? 
think you wish you would have never done that? Oh, man, I can't believe I gave that lunch away to Jesus. Bummer. No way. Listen, God promises that you will never regret it if you'll trust him with your finances as well. So let me leave you with three action steps to leave here with. Three steps to take as you leave here this morning. And step number one is this. The challenge before us here this morning as a church family and for each of us is to simply give a portion of your income to God first. Now, some of us, no doubt about it, some have been blessed by God more than others. And so we each come to the Lord with different amounts of income because we've been blessed differently. And again, the issue is not how much or how little. And that's why the principle of giving in the New Testament is to give a portion or a percentage. And so are you willing to give a percentage or a portion of your income to the Lord first? Not at the end of the week after you paid your bills and bought your groceries and paid for your gas or at the end of the month, but, but to honor the Lord first with it. Say, Lord, I trust you and you alone, and I'm giving to you first, trusting that you will provide my needs that remain. Perhaps you're thinking, man, I can't, I can't do much. I don't have a whole lot to give. I'm just like the little boy with the lunch. It's not enough to make a difference. What I would give here at LifeBridge, what difference is it going to make? Remember, Jesus isn't looking for what you can do with your lunch. He's looking for people who are willing to put their, quote, lunch in his hands. So give what you can. Give in relation to how God has blessed you. Our church is full of people with potential to meet our church's financial needs. I truly believe that with all my heart. All we need for a miracle here in the life of our church is a lad, a lunch, and the Lord. Because little is much when God is in it. And so when all of us here, especially those of us who are members here at LifeBridge, when we give a portion of our income to God first, our needs will be met in spectacular ways above and beyond what we can ever imagine. We have seen God do that in the past. In fact, just a, a year ago, in the middle of COVID when it began, we ended the year with a surplus of over $60,000 that year. It was unbelievable. God can do that again. Step number two is to ask God to use your giving to make up the difference. Ask God to use your giving to make up the difference. And in this case, this year, we are asking God and we are praying that God will provide a 5% increase in giving over last year to meet our needs. Again, if God can use a sack lunch to make up the difference in feeding over 5,000 people, then God can use your giving, no matter what the amount of it is, to make up the difference in funding our budget. Remember, there is no need too big for God to meet. There's no gift too small for God to use. And then number three, expect God to meet the needs in your life and our church in 2022. Do you realize that Philip and Andrew, they almost missed out on a miracle that afternoon in Galilee? You say, why? Because they never expected Jesus to perform one. 
They had no sense of purpose in what they could give. They had no sense of potential in Jesus Christ. Instead, all it took was the expectation of a little boy with a sack lunch. And they had the privilege of witnessing one of the greatest miracles ever performed by Jesus. So let me ask us, what are you expecting God to do in your life this year? What are you expecting God to do in your life and through your life and even our church in 2022? What does this story of a, of a lad and a lunch in the Lord teach us about God's economic principle? It teaches us loud and clear that without Christ, demand exceeds supply, and the cry is not enough. But it also teaches us that with Christ factored into the equation, factored into our lives, factored into our church, supply then exceeds demand, and the cry is, God, more than enough. Oh, might that be true for LifeBridge and you here in 2022. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to you and we ask that you would once again prove yourself faithful. You would supply our needs. As a church family, you would supply the the financial needs that we have to fund our mission and ministries and the maintenance of our buildings. And Lord, we know that you do that through, through your people and their giving their faithful, regular, and even sacrificial giving. So, Lord, we ask that you would provide for them. And, Lord, you would do so in relation to how they trust you. And, Lord, we all go through times where our trust wavers, and so we ask, Lord, and pray that you would gird our faith and we would lean into you now more than ever when it comes to our finances, not just in what we give, but how we even manage it through the course of our weeks and months, especially in today's economy, Lord, where there's so much uncertainty. And yet, Lord, let us have faith and know that you are sovereign over all. You are in control of our lives and our church, and so we trust you. And we thank you. We thank you for how you have provided in the past, and we thank you for your abundant provision in this coming year. In your name we pray. Amen.